What's up, guys? Welcome to Carpenters Podcast with your host, Matt Sartrek, and myself, Peter Fendera. This is a podcast where we tackle current health news and hot nursing topics, one conversation at a time. How's it going, Matthew? I'm feeling good, man. I went jet skiing today. Oh, yeah. I've never been jet skiing. How was jet skiing? Very fun. So today, the wind was actually going towards... Was it going eastbound? West. west. It was going west. Okay. So it was going towards the beach. So when you're flying, flying back on his jet skis going 40, 30 miles per mm-hmm. hour, you're literally wide riding that wave and just like going down, splashing. Did you it was go a like, whole thing, at, man. Did you like go like against the waves? Or is that dangerous? To yes. Do? You, you make a couple nice spins. Mm-hmm. I don't want to mention donuts because last time we were doing donuts, we flipped the damn man. UTV. Yeah. But we're, do some donuts, make it wavy, and then you just ride them. My activity. I recommend it. It's like surfing. Have you been, when you were in California, did you go surfing? No, so instead I decided to try um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh-huh. That's what I've done. When we go there, we're for sure got to try some BJJ as well, okay. but also surf because surfing is one of those bucket list things I would love to yeah, accomplish. for sure. I never went surfing either, but when we were in Florida with my buddy Conrad, like, people weren't really, I mean, they were surfing a little bit, but that location where we were at was not meant for like surfing, I think. I mean, I'm no expert. I haven't been surfing for my life, but the waves weren't that big. People came with their surfboards. Some guys in some minds that the, the waves are good, but they were just chilling for the most part. Yeah, so Huntington Beach and all around that coast is, you know, known for surfing. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it might be West Coast things. Not too sure, you know, Florida's about. What do I find out? I'll let you guys know. I'm sure there's for sure, like, all, all like the surfers come from the West Coast. Like Hawaii would have been probably insane. It would be. Yeah. Well, Matt, what you got in store for us today? Today we're going to talk about Whoop. But before we talk about Whoop, let's just um, give a shout out to all the listeners. Thank you guys for listening. Those returning, keep shouting us out. Keep giving us reviews, liking, sharing. Like, we appreciate everything. And those that are new, welcome. You guys are going to have an awesome time. Peter's feeling extra goofy today. Look at his hair, man. Wavy yeah. like usual. Like these damn winds I was riding to on the jet skis. I think it's the humidity, man. I think it's, it's the humidity, humidity that gets it. Yeah. You know? I feel like I could pull off a headband if I really wanted to go to the headbands. All the girl like, listeners. You know, if like you know um, uh, Griezmann? Yes. From, um, well, now he plays for Barcelona, right? Yeah. You know, you said that headband back in the day. I'm not sure what kind of haircut he's rocking right now. But it's definitely humidity. When it's humid outside, my hair, like, turns super curly and wavy. If there's um, girls that are listening and have a recommendation for Peter's curly hair to be controlled in humidity, please send a DM to the couple of nurses on IG. Yeah, you could. But I probably won't look at it. I could care less, to be honest, you know? And plus, this is like the length where it's like the awkward face, uh-huh. where it's not like short and it's not long. It's like medium and plus it's a wavy, so it's like even even worse. But I don't know, dude. Every day something new. You know, I look a little different each time, so they don't, so they don't recognize me. Those facial recognition cameras, you're like, damn, this guy's always has a new haircut. He's so hard to catch. Yeah. So oh, if dude. you go to China, bro, you're gonna all the cameras are gonna be staring and tracking you down. Yeah, dude. Did you see it? Like that I sent you? What link? You didn't look at it, huh? Sometimes I, I look I said, at it, man. I'm a busy I just, man. You didn't look at it. You know, I, I, I have your a bad, nap is yesterday, dog. I have a bad tendency of opening up a text and not responding sometimes and getting mm-hmm. back to it. Yeah, well, it's just a way... Dude, so in China, they have these doors where it unlocks based on your face. So the computer knows who lives here and it just opens up due to your face. Well, it'll open up if it doesn't recognize your face. Interesting. Yeah. It's in government housing that they have that. It's wild, dude. And they want to have like... They want to have 800 million cameras by like the year 2024. That's China, one of China's goals. Yeah. Isn't that wild, dude? People yeah. get jaywalking tickets. That's how popular these cameras are. Well, they have the social credit That's system. That's insane, dude. Yep, it's wild. But yeah. Let's talk about That's China because we're going to get flagged one yeah, day. Yeah, well, we'll mention more things. So 
July 4th, another horrible day for Chicago, dude. 80 deaths. That's like a while, dude. Like, we should do a podcast episode of our ideas on how to fix this, this, this ongoing issue in Chicago, because it's, it's bad. It's like the amount of drugs that are here and just my people that are dying. Like, I don't understand. Well, I kind of do understand, because Chicago's like in the middle between like the east and west coast. So I understand why drugs come here, you know, but it's fucking wild, dude. Like, you just drive maybe, like, because we live, I'm not going to mention where we live, but you could drive, like, 20 minutes from here, and you could be, like, in a bad part of town. I know. This area is very safe where we live because a bunch of cops, but it's just and, that Yeah, close. usually you'll walk down the street sometimes, and you could get checked. And what's, what is considered checked is literally a gangbanger comes up to you and kind of asks you, like, what part of town are you type of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. But en- enough of that. Yeah. So today, guys, like Matt said, we are going to talk about the Whoop Band. And Matt's been rocking Whoop Band a little bit longer than me. How long have you had the Whoop Band on for? Since January, so I'm six January. months in. I have probably had mine late March, maybe mid-March, if that. You know. So you got four months. And Whoop is basically a way to understand yourself as an individual. It is considered the world's most powerful powerful fitness membership and it checks your sleep recovery and your strain so it takes those three into consideration and measures your physiology right yeah. so we got the sleep quality duration the consistency and it's checking your load both internally and extern- externally based on hrv that's your strain yeah it checks your strain i think it's a pretty damn cool um yeah. app i think i learned so much about myself and that's what we're going to talk about on the podcast and also me and Peter don't believe what a website just tells us, so we actually did the research ourselves. We mm-hmm. found some meta-analyses from 2018, and I think we have a lot of good information here that will kind of let you know that, hey, this is a product to kind of have if you want to really optimize mm-hmm. yourself as freaking human being. And on top of that, if you guys want to use our link, we do have a free month for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you guys really want to, you can try to, you can just try it out a month, and if you don't like it, you just get rid, get rid of it, but... If you go on a website, there's a ton of information. Um, they have their own blog. They have, you know, different areas of, like, explanation. Like, what does recovery actually mean? What actually gets tracked during sleep? Or how do you actually measure measure recovery? Um, but, like, going to a website, you know, the will boast that you can increase your sleep and duration and quality. It could decrease your report levels of stress. Bounces your recovery and training, reduces alcohol consumption, which is, I feel like, more subjective than, than anything really. I don't think an app could kind of, or app or any kind of fitness tracker could decrease your alcohol consumption. I think it's more of you taking control. But this is used as like a reference. Um, it'll help you increase in exercise intensity and duration, reduce screen time in bed. That's, that's actually pretty inter- interesting. Um, I think it probably decreased my screen time in bed because I feel like I have to go to sleep earlier because I have to get a good recovery. And also minimizes the effects of travel, and they boast that it also improves in cardiovascular health. Um, and it's all off the website, but but it's, it's pretty interesting. There's a lot of metrics on there to give you like a weekly performance update. Same with the monthly one. The monthly one's more in depth than a weekly one. Um, it's a day by day thing. You don't take it off. It's waterproof. I like it. I got paint on mine, and I think it actually looks cool because I have the basic black one. Matt's basic black one, right? Black one as well, and you're yeah. able to kind of pick out different colors and things mm-hmm. like that. And you mentioned alcohol consumption, right? That you can minimize that and reduce it. So what this actually has, and I kind of use it as well, is a built-in journal. And you're able to pick different things for yourself to note-take. So every day you wake up, you kind of process your sleep, and then you're able to answer questions on this mini journal that's built in. So you could do questions like, hey, 
did I feel a sense of purpose today? Or you could say caffeine, how much cups of coffee did I have? And you could do these different trackings. For example, one thing I'm excited about that I just, I'm going to do because I've kind of talked about this podcast episode is um, cold showers. I want to get into get into them for one, for myself, for health benefits, but also to see how my heart rate variability actually increased from just doing the cold therapy. Mm-hmm. So that's something I'm going to try out for the month of July. So like an easy question, I'm sure you guys are thinking this in your head right now is what is actually Whoop doing to give us these numbers, give, give us these outcomes? It actually tracks your heart rate variability. Um, and they use that to measure recovery, sleep, and strain. So a quick like rundown of how it works is, so let's start it off in, in the morning. So you wake up in, in the morning, you see your number, and that's like your the recovery, correct? Right. What you see in the morning, it gives you a number between like zero to 100%, depending on how, how well you slept. So sleep, what do they measure during sleep? So for sleep, they measure your duration, your quality, your respirations, how many hours you've actually slept compared to how many times you're, uh, you're or how, how long you slept compared to your whole hours of sleep. So I would have slept eight hours, but maybe it's actually seven hours of sleep because I've woken up X amount of times, which took X amount of minutes. Right. Also measured, um, sorry, disturbances. And with all these inputs, it comes up with, with a nice number for you, for you, and it kind of gives you the quality of how you slept. It says zero to 100. And based on that, it gives you recovery. And then with your recovery, it also tells you how much strength you should take on it for a day. So based on how your recovery was, how you slept, and things you did the day before, it tells you kind of how your body is geared to perform today. So let's say you got a nice 70% recovery, maybe it'll give you like a 15 or a 13 for your strain. I think the highest strain you can take is take on is 20. 21, yes. 21 is the highest. Yeah, so you get a number between zero and 20, and that's kind of what you should aim for. Like, you know how your Apple Watch has those rings? Well, that's kind of similar to those rings. It's something that they should, they should um, go for. That's like a goal for today is to hit 13 or 12. And also measure your, your strength. So not only does it set up this goal for you, you don't have to track it yourself. It, it tracks it for you. So it recommends a 15, but maybe you had a hard gym session, you went on two runs, you know, and you went swimming. So maybe your recommended strain was 13, but hey, guess what? Your group is telling you, you strained 15. Yep. And that's gonna also affect on how you sleep and how your recovery is for, for the next day. So it's like a whole cycle and it's continuous nonstop 24 seven. You know, it's not heavy. It just takes a little bit of time to get used to because you gotta wear it above, above your wrist. And, th- and this is why it's considered like the most powerful tracker, right? Because just to give a comparison, I had a Fitbit before, right? And it's cool if you're like a beginner, sure, you know, be happy to understand how many calories you burned, which this also awesome. does. Yeah. And then, you know, you could find out how many steps you walk. That's cool. But as an athlete, you want to find out, hey, if I slept eight hours, but I couldn't sleep for an hour, that is sleep depth that gets added, right? And the sleep coach tells you based on your number, HRV, and everything, and the amount of strain you took, this is how much sleep you actually need to perform. Yeah. Or tomorrow is a day that I'm just going to get by and that you could sleep less. Because, you know, so if you do Fitbit, cool, you'll know a little bit, but this is the next level and this is whoop and you're tracking yourself as an athlete, literally. Yeah, some of the nice functionalities is it'll, you could choose, so based on how your recovery is, you could choose a strain level that kind of fits you. There is a strain level to, or like a goal that you could have to just get by, you know, like medium and then one to really work you out. I'm not sure if you messed with that a little bit. You adjust that in your sleep, in your Very sleep cool. section. So that's pretty cool. You kind of kind of gear it more towards your athletic ability or more toward, towards your goals. It also tracks everything. So it tracks where you run, the amount of running you do, 
and you could also track your workouts. So there's different like cycling, skating, surfing is all in there and you select this and you could either start it before your workout and stop it after you finish or the cool thing about it is if you forget to set it and you know you work out from 10 a.m. to 11, 11 a.m., you can manually input those times and it'll take the HRV from that hour and it'll get your strain level for that or even it'll notice even sometimes when you're working out. I think it's a pretty impressive device and like the way it actually checks everything is like heart rate variability. That's like the biggest thing. So for a short HRV is basically just your um, autonomic nervous system and the, you know, the autonomic nervous system is basically checking or doing everything for your body that you're not even aware of, right? Like you're not thinking about breathing right now or your heart is beating. It's that nervous system is just doing its, you know, um, its job and your heartbeat doesn't always beat like one second, one second. Like there is, you know, um, different consistency, correct? Sometimes. Yeah. So let's say your heart beats 60 beats a minute. It doesn't mean it's, be it's beating one beat every second. Yes. Some beats could be 0.9. Some beats can be 1.1. It varies. And, and this is the connection between the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. So most of this, and just like to kind of blow your minds really quick and it, blow, it blows my mind is like, look at the nervous system, right? It's in charge of literally everything. And if you look at it and compare it to the tree of life, I think I saw a post like this. It literally looks like the roots of the human body. If you look, if you just type in a nervous system. It's a freaking pretty impressive thing. It's wild. And the main nerve that does all this is the vagus nerve. So I think that's cranial nerve 10, if I'm not mistaken. You know, cranial nerves are the hardest for me to memorize. So I'm sure if online it says 10, I, I trust them. Okay, so vagus nerve 10. And the vagus nerve is special because it's one of the longest nerves. And it, it's a very complex cranial nerve. It literally starts in the brain runs through the face, through the freaking whole thorax and down to the abdomen. So that nervous system is literally plugged into your heart, your liver, your stomach, your freaking large intestines and everything. And that's why when you hear the whole, you know, mind and gut connection, yeah, this shit's real because your nervous system is plugged into it. Mm. And if you have anxiety, yes, you might have bloating and gassiness and runs of diarrhea because that system is constantly talking without us realizing. Exactly, and we mentioned the mind-gut, or not mind-gut, but we do mention the mind-gut connection yes. a lot, and, but the mind-body connection. So what, yes. what is a mind-body connection? That's ultimately your nervous system, right? Like yeah. you said, it just runs wires from your brain everywhere throughout your body. Same with like your limbic system, that plays a, a big role, you know? Like think of how many blood vessels you have. Well, along with blood vessels, you have the whole nervous system running with it. Yeah, and, and it's, and it's what's, what's crazy is um, my sister's fiance actually mentioned this, you know, because when people say, oh, I had back surgery, they think, oh, it's not a big deal. But, oh, I had heart surgery, it's a big deal, right? But think about how complex the nervous system cases are. Like people, to do a lower back surgery is so freaking complex. And I'm not like saying the cardiac system is not special, but the nerves are complicated, mm -hmm. man. They are, and like imagine, like let's say you're in for a surgery, back surgery, or you know any kind of brain surgery. Like imagine if they, imagine if someone nicks your vagus nerve. Yeah. Like you know, but that would take obviously that would happen for back surgery, but if any kind of brain surgery is very hard to do as well because we haven't even figured out fully how the brain works. So imagine if if somebody inexperienced or something, some accident happens, you know, somebody has a seizure on, on a table and you actually pinch the vagus nerve. That person's probably not gonna live, man. Yeah, and even in like just thinking Art. about things. Sorry. Like the, the pain stimulators. There's people that have such bad pain 
in their lower backs that are uncontrolled by pain medication and they get liter- literally like a device that stimulates or tingles their spinal cord or something, right? And it eliminates pain. Same with seizures. Yeah. There's little devices that people get put in their, in their head or in the back of their neck where it helps um, with seizures. I'm not sure. So what it does, if I'm not mistaken, is when a seizure happens, it sends a current to an area of your body. What this does is it sends another current to combat that current. And it kind of like grounds it. Okay. Almost. If I'm not mistaken, that's what this, this, this little device does. Interesting. And it could be because we're dealing with an electrical system and there's like, you know, there's that threshold and if you reach that threshold, you get a seizure. Mm-hmm. So I guess that somehow you said combats that yeah. where it creates a maybe positive electrical current that doesn't reach that negative threshold. I, I could be wrong. I'm not sh- Maybe that's like new technology that's emerging, but I was reading something online like a few months back that that's kind of how, how it works. Yeah. So don't quote us on the whole... Um, yeah. Pain stimulator slash um, seizure device yeah, here because yeah. I'm not sure about that. Mm-hmm. But the rest, we're, we, we know we're our pretty stuff, confident. Right? We're pretty confident what yeah. we're saying. Um, so anyways, we have the, the sympathetic nervous system, which is basically fight or flight. And people tend to have a higher heart rate and a lower HRV if they're hanging out in this um, system. Mm-hmm. And usually if you're stressed out and exercising a lot, straining your body, you're going to be more leaning towards being in that nervous system, like functionality essentially. And then you have the parasympathetic branch, which is in charge of rest and digest, and you tend to have a lower resting heart rate and actually a higher HRV. Mm. So that's the, that's the measurement. Like it's interesting because this band does that compared to like the Fitbit, right? We're mm. seeing what HRV does. Yeah, so according to WHOOP, a normal HRV for somebody that's 20 to, 20 to 25 years old is 55 to 105. And then if you're 60 to 65, between 25 and 45. And then somewhere, if you're in between, between those ages, you're kind of roughly in like the same area. But it's normal for your HRV to, to decline with age. And that kind of, kind of makes sense. Everything kind of slows. You know, you get older. You know, you have a built up of toxins. And it's just how aging works. You know, you, it just, you're, like a, you're, eventually, you're essentially a machine that slows down and eventually is going to die. Yeah, and but there's people that could have between their twenties and have an HRV that low. Mm. So it just depends on how well balanced you are. You know, for example, if you have somebody that is, you know, dealing with psychiatric issues, right? That has anxiety, has depression, or has a very, like, let's just say, a short temper. Like they're leaning towards the whole sympathetic nervous system. Anything triggers them into fight or flight and literally being reactionist to whatever the environment mm. stimuli was, they, t- they tend to have lower HRV and they're, you know, more prone based on these uh, meta-analysis that we found in 2018 that, hey, your chances of healthy living, quality of life, everything's literally affected by HRV essentially. Mm. And it's a great, you know, bi- what if it's a biomarker in the future? We'll, t- we'll get into that, you know? Yeah, so like with the whole whoop, like me and Matt, have been wearing it for a while. Like I said, Matt's been doing this in January. I've been doing this since like March. And we think, it, we think it's great. We love it. But the thing, we're a little skeptical on, on HRV. So they tell us that through HRV, we could tell you all this. Yeah. We tell you recovery. We could tell you your strain. We could, we could tell you all this thing about you. But me and Matt, you know, like I said, we're a little skeptical. And we're like, does HRV really matter that much? So how would we find out if it does? Well, we did some research. You know, we took some research studies to see what HRV actually impact and what actually impacts H- HRV because we don't want to take it as face value, you know, because anybody could give you a product and say, hey, we're measuring, let's say your, your, your heart rate for, for this or you're measuring your respiration rate to see how well you train. Well, I want to see some proof that what does heart rate or, or what does respiratory rate have to do with me training or with, with me sleeping. Yeah. 
So this is me, Matt, providing you, you know, some of the some of the good news with HRV. I think it's cool because if we're like actually passionate about something, want to find something out, we're gonna just like nerd it out and just dive deep into some freaking science. And that's that's literally what we did. We found um, meta analyses, and basically those are independent. There's like a number of independent researcher research studies, right? That a group of people, basically doctors, go together, go through them, and pick out the trends and and to determine what is actually going on. Mm. So it's not one study based on 50 rats, as Peter likes to mention rats. It's they, actually- they breed like crazy. It's actually 50 studies based on rats, just to kind of give you an idea. But these are all based on human trials, right? We didn't do anything on rats. No, we didn't do anything on rats, but some of some of the abstracts that I, that I read did reference like past um, research that they looked at, but they didn't include rats in any of the, any of the ones that we did. Yeah. So. It's interesting because one thing we found out is um, whether diet and HRV is going to be affected. So we start kind of diving down to see what are the conditions, examples, or anything that could lead to, you know, having higher or low HRV. So it's an interesting correlation because people that have diabetes, cardiovascular issues, inflammation, obesity, even psychiatric issues, they all tend to have lower HRV levels. So... We looked into diet, and diet, essentially, they're kind of skeptical about it. They're saying it's still going to require long-term research. So it's not necessarily that we're eating good food and it's going into our gut and it's affecting HRV. They think it's more diet that could potentially be um, benefiting the prefrontal cortex, and that's where the vagus nerve is either stimulated or kind of like relaxed, and this is where we're seeing everything. Yeah, so the majority of the studies that we, that we looked at and that we found, we obviously didn't include everything, all these studies that, that we found. We just included all the interesting ones. Um, most, if not all, the studies that we looked at showed that a higher heart rate variability is a sign of parasympathetic nervous system stimulation, which also shows how healthy you are as an individual. Because like Matt said before, if your parasympathetic nervous system is kind of working more than your sympathetic, because how often should you be flight? in fight or flight in, in your life. Not very often, you know? You, you shouldn't be in your, in your SNS very often, you know? So this kind of shows you that you're more like you're in your PNS than your SNS. And basically with that being said that your R to R intervals, they're gonna be, you know, not uniform all the time. Correct, so heart rate variability is, is increased. So heart rate variability increased is you being more relaxed, more um, healthier, more in, in tune with yourself is what these research studies were showing. So for, I mean, I would say probably for a fact, the higher HRV does resemble higher quality of life and better health. Exactly. And what Peter meant by R to R interval, because not everybody's in the medical field, that's just literally the, on an EKG, the, the actually R interval, which is a... So yeah, you have your EKG with a PQRS, and you have your QRS. Uh, I'm not going to go into the whole... Depolariz Quick depolarization yeah. or polarization, but they measure the R to R intervals, which is the peak of the QRS and the amount of, you know, milliseconds or whatever measurement they use in between those. And the, the more uniform they are, the more likely you are to, to be stressed. Yep. So you want high variability. You want those numbers to not be as consistent because that shows greater health. Yes. And it's interesting where, you know, the Mediterranean diet seems to be like the number one diet to boost HRV, including um, omega-3s. There's like B vitamins, right? Polyphenols, B complexes, and things that negatively affect your HRV. It seems like trans fats, saturated fats, 
and things that are like high glycemic carbohydrates. So, you know, not every carbohydrate is the same and some and everybody's body is different. And I think I heard on a podcast before that there was a doctor that wore a um, a pain, uh, the glucose monitor on the stomach okay. and the abdomen. And she noticed that if she ate like uh, pee, peas, mm-hmm. she had a crazy, crazy spike, which is abnormal compared to other foods. So just be careful on like, I don't think anybody's going to go that ham on the nutrition, but just find out, you know, based on your, your body, what kind of spikes your sugar mm. or what doesn't. And just pick out those healthy carbs that are like not digested quickly and triggers a quick insulin spike, like oatmeal, for example. Yeah, those might be even related to like your bowel functions. Like, are you, do you feel bloated a lot? Do you feel, you know, like you're having a lot of diarrhea? Do you feel like you have hyperactive bowels? Well, that's going to start with like elimination, you know, eliminate a, f- a food and see how you feel after you eliminate it, you know, it's, but you can't do it all at the same time. You gotta do like kind of one by one if you want to be specific. You do two or three at a time, but it's obviously not going to be as specific as like one by one. And it's kind of how, how you feel. Maybe a food that makes you hyperglycemic like peas might also give you diarrhea, you know? So that's a kind of a good way to see what kind of food you're sensitive to and what kind of food you probably should be consuming less of or not at all. What did you mention um, post your whole surgery, something that your bowel used to like that didn't like when you were recovering? Oh, dude, dairy, man. So dairy was like, a thing? I don't know if it's if it's just hard to di- digest for me right now or the that 15 you know, inches of, of bowel, you know, make me lactose intolerant or what, but yeah, I can't do milk or dairy, like at all. Even when I had eggs in the morning, even when I had this egg salad, it didn't, didn't sit well. I had eggs in the morning, two days in a row, and those two days I, I felt my, my bowel was not, like I, I just didn't feel good. Like, you know, when you have a stomach ache, but this is like yeah. a different version of a stomach ache because you wouldn't know how it feels because you didn't have the surgery, you know, obviously. I did not. But yeah, and then I limited those eggs and I just ate something else. And guess what? I feel completely different. So now what I do in the morning is instead of like eggs, I just have fruits with granola and, and honey and peanut butter and then that sits well with me. Like, like eggs and dairy, like I had eggs out today and I kind of knew so I didn't eat that much of it, but I just had a little bit. And still, just a little bit, it was really unsettling. Essentially, you are your own experiment. So experiment with yourself, guys, and try things that do work. Yeah, but the thing is, like, my gut flora got very impacted, very heavily impacted. So maybe it just might take a little bit longer for my gut flora to rebuild the ability to, ability to kind of break down milk and lactose. That could be it, too. But also, almond milk does the same thing. It's not, not as, not as um, extensive. I know you told me that you read online that it's hard to digest sometimes, the added that they give for almond milk. So, yeah, oh. Yeah, so it's called caravan or something. Mm-hmm. Basically, the the bean gum that they use is a filler to make it more consistent. And I think it potentially could be a preservative, but yes, it's a negatively affecting your um, gut microbe. See, the thing with that is I got to figure it out because I had the milk twice, the milk twice, but I had it with a pastry. So uh, I don't know if it was man. the flour and the milk in the pastry that made me feel that way, or was it the almond milk? You know, but now I completely, I, ha- I haven't had the pastry in a while. It was, it was the Dorzovka that got my, but the thing is, damn, the, the thing is like one day I had it with, no, I had it three times, all with almond milk. The first time I had it was an issue. The second two times was an issue. So I don't know why. I have no idea, but I'm not gonna mess with it right now. Pete, get your shit checked, literally. Dude, it's I, funny. Maybe, I mean, right now it's still f- formed like 50% of the time. So okay. like, t- hit or miss, dude. It's hit or miss. Yeah. So right. do you like, do you go to the bathroom? Do you have like a little poop chart? Today, no, no chart, no chart. It's no. funny because in nursing, the people that are not nurses, there's like a little um, the poop Bristol? chart. Bristol, I, I forgot what it's called, man. I didn't work for a couple of weeks now, <laughs> but it's like one through seven, and like it, it, what kind of poop do you have? You know, it's like formed, 
loose water pebbles like and you could pick the class and that's we as nurses got to document that shit literally shit no pun <laughs> yeah. intended yeah no pun intended man funny um, get back on track back here, into hrv so like psychiatric patients so of course anybody that's post-traumatic stress disorder gen- generalized anxiety um schizos bipolars they tend to have lower hrvs so like okay facts right and now i'm thinking what if in the future, like HRV could be a biomarker for psychiatric patients to see how, how severe is your depression? How severe is your anxiety based on an HRV? Because technically all these disorders are mental and I wonder how much the prefrontal cortex could affect these disorders. Yeah, for no, and think about all the gene therapy going on too. This could be like a supplemental signal for you for people with mental disabilities or, or mental issues. Because let's say you have a gene that says you might get depression 50%. Okay. Depression 50%. And you have somebody, two, you have two individuals. Both have a chance of getting depression 50%. One has a high HRV, one has a low HRV. What if the one with low HRV gets depression and the one with a high HRV doesn't? You know, it could be like another signal. It can be. You know, I wonder what it has, what if it has anything to do with breast cancer too. Maybe we'll look it up in October. October, October, HRV, maybe we could partner up with Whoop, shouting at Whoop right now. But um, it's kind of, isn't it kind of crazy how we're just like a bunch of nurses, like we don't have doctor degrees, but the knowledge that we have, okay, we might as well freaking be running a damn independent study. We'll start with rats, Peter. Yeah, we'll start with rats. They breed like crazy. Maybe like two of those, they'll have 20 by next Thursday, man. Imagine if on a couple of nurses, we start making research studies. Just our own. All right. You could literally buy like lab approved rats. Uh-huh. That are all supposed to be the same. Okay. But then, Brett Weinstein said that these rats have prolonged telomeres, and they're inaccurate. Oh yeah, supposed yes. to be. So we have a whole generation of like gen- generations. Pharmaceuticals, yeah, generations of pharmaceuticals, different therapies that have been done on like studies on like inaccurate rats. Ina- inaccurate rats yeah. based on their DNA telomeres. Mm-hmm. Telomeres. Yeah. And. Um, I think those scientists, fuck man, we're bouncing off topic. Yeah, no, those no. scientists try and uh, and go after these pharmaceutical industries and actually like say, that, hey, this is what's going on, and they just discredited them basically. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of shit going on in this um, community when it's co- when it's on research mm-hmm. and like these drugs are already out and we're already kind of getting them and we're. So I mean, drugs are already the norm, like normally the baseline yeah. medication, which it, which is not necessarily bad. Hey, right. if, it's, if it's working, you know, it, if, I mean, some there's a saying, if it's working, why fix it? But when it comes to drugs, I don't think it's, it's more like a Band-Aid than anything, really. Yeah, and it's crazy because this is our freaking reality of this industry that we're in, and this is the reality of science. Science is technically as accurate as a person, you know, putting in the numbers of predicting COVID, right? Like, the guy in University of London said we're going to have all these COVID deaths. Well, yeah, man, I closed the country myself. Yeah. Anyway, science is interesting, man. But we try to find you guys sure. pretty solid research here because... Some of the stuff we look at and we kind of like, I laugh myself and I'm like, I cannot even present this to people that listen to this because this is embarrassing, man. So that, sure. that's what goes through my mind sometimes. We, tr- we try to really, like we actually, me and Peter sit the hell down and yeah. like, like look at the shit for two to three hours, talk about it and make sense of it. Like I yeah, think- more two, I would say more than two to three hours. Yesterday we were here, we were like looking this stuff up for like a solid four hours. And plus all, right? Cause we were looking at stuff for a while. And plus all the other research that, that we did before yesterday, True. It just took us like a, like we actually wanted to find out if this is legit. Yeah. Plus you're paying for this, you know, every month, you know. So hey, might as well figure out if this shit's actually legit or not. Right. You know. 
So you guys listening to this are like 10xing your like brain right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that'd be pretty cool on the psychiatric patients. So, so like, we're going to probably buy some mice and we're going to breed them and then we're going to just give, we're going to make them wear all whoop bands, <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> that'd be so funny. Little, whoop, little mouse with a little whoop band around his belly. Hey, just be careful because if you laugh too much, you might I'd pop, oh yeah. pop, pop an internal suture. Dude, bro. Gotta be careful. My, um, my, um, I don't know if I'm going to pop out of there, dude. Yeah. It's gonna de-hiss. What yeah, am I dude. gonna do? Gotta tape you up, take you to the hospital. Yeah, again? I don't have stitches. I have a staple remover, but that's not gonna be helpful in this situation. Oh, I have stereo strips. We're good. I have stereo strips. Like I said, mice with whoop end around it, and maybe little jetpacks. <laughs> See where they can go. All right, guys. Today, on today's episode of Cup of Nurses, yeah. we're gonna hook up two mices to jetpacks, yeah. and we're gonna see who flies further for the cheese. But the cheese is monster and Swiss cheese. <laughs> Damn. What do you guys think is the better cheese? Uh, and who's going to have the higher heart rate variability? Who's going to have the higher heart rate variability? The one that eats the Swiss cheese or the one that eats the monster cheese? <laughs> oh, man. About, hi, do we, do we touch about goof. alcohol? We're going to touch about alcohol okay, right now. For sure. But this is why we need a separate podcast where we could just be a bunch of damn, like, goofs, man. Because mm-hmm. this is... I crack myself up, yeah. man. Me and Petey go way back. Anyways, you know, I'm thinking about these mice now, dude. Like, what kind of experience could we run for somebody? You can, man. You, you can sell the information, too. But anyways... I mean, um, we, should do some, we could do some research on, like, psilocybin and, like, mazes. Or marijuana and mazes, or even cheese and mazes. But then we gotta build mazes. Peter, like, well, Peter, honestly, I'm down. Talk about afterwards. I'm down to try a lot of damn things, but I'm a full-time nurse until sure. I can retire from nursing and try all these things. Totally down to do it. So let's figure out a way to make a lot of money. Yeah, for sure. But I, with these mice, I'm telling you, man. <laughs> these mice. We'll try the mice. That's a good idea. Remember, remember marijuana water back in the day. What do you mean? Nothing. Never mind. It's something we could revisit after the episode. Okay, for sure. So whoop. Um, and alcohol and it's interesting because every single time I get super hammered and I do I'm a nurse this is all time dude he's hammered right now I got hammered on uh, 4th of July weekend at the beach but anyways it's crazy how much your damn whoop band dips when it comes to HRV you can tell that your resting heart rate skyrockets when you're hungover and your HRV um, dips and on average based on um, all the whoop data that they get from their customers Hopefully they don't say their, sell their data, but your HRV dips at an average of 22 mill, millimoles or milliseconds actually because it's um, electricity. Sorry, Matt measuring blood. <laughs> I'm measuring something, bro. <laughs> in these vials, these rats, man. Um, it's and it's um, also been known that HRV gets suppressed like four to five days, and it's interesting. Um, just to pull up my whoop right now, I'm actually um, it's camera fine. died. Camera died, but we're gonna still record. <laughs> People could see a black, black screen on YouTube. Um, it's it's funny how my HRV literally dipped from ninety six to sixty three, and I've been in the low mm. day number three. I guess my heart or my HRV still recovering from drinking too much. So yeah, man, it's a real thing, and I don't like drinking. I honestly haven't drank so much over like the weekend or since I got back from Chicago in the past like seven months. So bunch of bad influence out here. I need to go back to California. Yeah, I haven't drank in a while. I mean, I'm not big of a drinker anyways, but in Florida, we drank a little bit. Arizona, we drank a little bit. But nothing like nothing like we used to do back in the day, those bingers that we had yeah. uh, at, your, at your place. I'm too old for those bingers. Dude, dude if I feel like if I'm having a binger like that right now, dude, I'll be feeling it for the whole week. Probably. I got to take it easy now. Getting, getting up there, dude, almost 30. I'm close. I half to 30. Half to 30. And a little over half. 26, right? Or 26, right? Or are we 27? No, 26. So I had to get my own insurance. That's how I know. Yeah. Respect. All right, guys. Well, we kind of dove deeper into HRV because, you know, Whoop has its own um, 
Whoop has its own amount of information and kind of how HRV is, is important to us. But what I actually is in the cardiac, and I happened to run into some research regarding, you know, the cardiac cycle. And so I look at two studies, and they were actually looking at HRV post-MI. And I'll just summarize it for you guys, guys, real quick. One of the studies that, that I looked at, um, it was a pretty big one. It took 567 patients, which is a pretty hefty, hefty chunk. And it included like 24-hour EKG readings, and it also included an EKG reading before they went home. You know, and they looked at these EKGs and measured people's RR interval, which is HRV, so their heart variability. And this was done after their MI treatment. So they got fibrolytics in a hospital, and before they got discharged, they got their EKG taken and their HRV measured. And it was actually interesting to know that the people that had a low HRV had a 24.2% mortality rate compared to people that had the higher HRV, they only had 6.3 mortality rate, which is pretty significant. That's a 25% chance of dying. Sorry, I had a burp, but if you have an MI, you get the fibrinolytic therapy and your HRV is low upon discharge, 24%, you have a 24% chance of not making it. Like past, I think it was 31 days, or it's not 31 days, sorry, 31 months. So that's crazy. So that's like very crazy to look at or think about. So this is a pretty effective biomarker yeah. to even check like chances, mm -hmm. risk factors and everything. And like it's not used in hospital, guys. We're talking about all this stuff, but this is not cardiologists aren't talking about HRV yeah. to nurses or anything. We're not hearing about this. Yeah, sorry, it wasn't thirty one months as the other study. This was actually one thousand days. Okay. So so if you really had low HRV, it's a twenty four percent chance you died within one thousand days. That's crazy, because imagine you get an MI, your HRV is low, so it kind of sucks to think about, hey, like, there's a 24% chance I could die in a thousand days. That's like, what, a little over two years, like two and a half years. Yep. That's wild. And it's crazy because there's a handful of studies that showed this. Another study that I looked at, it also looked at low HRV post-acute MI. So kind of same idea, they took people's EKGs, but this time, the mean follow-up, instead of a thousand days, it was... 31 months. And it showed that people with low HRV had a 5.3 times the chance of dying compared to somebody with a higher HRV. And this was just post-acute MI, not necessarily with, with fibrolytic therapy, you know? And that's, that's very scary to look at. Like there's a handful of studies that actually show, show this. So there's some kind of a correlation between HRV and, and cardiac health. You know, of course people have these secondary, these secondary issues and of course, you know, usually all the people have, have MI, so you gotta incorporate age, but if you want, there's links to these studies and it actually incorporates all these variables in there as well, which is very interesting to, to see. Yeah, so this is, like I said, man, it's a good marker and I'm surprised we're not like using it, but I also feel like, like hospitals are kind of like X amount of years behind, you know, not, not maybe medically when we're doing interventions, but like we're still doing lab tubes and stuff like that. Like we're still sending out labs somewhere to take, we're still growing bacteria on cultures. We've been mm -hmm. growing bacteria on cultures for a very long time. Why hasn't this technology improved? And, you know, checking lab values. I can't, I don't know how often or since we've been checking troponins, but it's been a long time. Yeah. Should it be, we be switching up to something more effective like this? Yeah, I mean, we're not, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying this is more effective or this is indicative of, you will be unhealthy, but this is another data point. Yeah. Like, you know, the way we predict people's health out out outcomes and the way we predict outcomes in general, the economy, health, you know, weather is just data points. 
the more data points you have, the more data you, you could input into a system and the better hypothesis you could come up with. Right. Right. So imagine if you incorporate health history, HRV, you know, family history, there, there are different cardiac markers, different genetic markers into, you know, a mortality post acute MI, you know, right. and now you're just adding another, another data point, which gives you another, you know, like I said, a better hypothesis. Agreed, man. I love this talk with you, Peter. Yeah. Guys, next episode's coming out next week. We love you guys. Anything you want to say for the fans before we cut this short? Um, no, I have utmost respect for you guys. And of course, you too, Matthew. And we do have an athletic study that's going to come out hopefully within a month. We're aiming within a month and we're going to make it a you know, big ordeal. We have the NCLEX study guide. We have more nursing tips, tips coming. We're going to have videos geared towards this NCLEX. And we're going to have Patreon come out soon. Live stream is going to come out soon. It's going to happen. Just give us time. We're rebuilding everything. You guys know the rest of our website is being worked on right now for all of you that do go on our website and, and, and do care for that. It's going to be up and running. Just give us time. We're taking things a little bit slow. You know, I, got, I just had a bowel resection, so things are going to be a little bit slower. I'm just learning how to walk. You know, baby steps. You know, don't don't rush me, dude. Before I, you know, pop a fucking suture or something. I feel you, man. We should have told these people early on in this episode, so we will next week. Well, only the real stay for the end, right? The real stay for the end, man. These are this is the after party. You know why it's the after party? Because I'm about to play a jam on the way. Matt's gonna play a jam. It's gonna he's gonna play a jam. This dude. is the jam that we found yesterday on a live stream mm. while scripting this episode, and I think it's pretty boss. This is called DMs. <laughs> Damn, there's no camera, but you know what? We're, we're jamming out. We're dancing right yeah. now. We're not wearing our. We're not even wearing any clothing anymore because the camera's off. All right, Pete. You know, I still got my shirt on, but I'm not. I got nothing on right here, now. man. I got nothing on, but you yeah. guys can't see it. Sorry, man. Ooh. All right, I right, take it easy, guys. Peace out. Peace.